Section 87 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 118 London, August 6th, Old Style, 1750 My dear friend, Since your letter from Siena, which gave me a very imperfect account of both your illness and your recovery, I have not received one word either from you or Mr. Hart. I impute this to the carelessness of the post simply, and the great distance between us at present exposes our letters to those accidents. But when you come to Paris, from whence the letters arrive here very regularly, I shall insist upon your writing to me constantly once a week, and that upon the same day, for instance every Thursday, that I may know by what mail to expect your letter. I shall also require you to be more minute in your account of yourself than you have hitherto been, or than I have required, because of the informations which I receive from time to time from Mr. Hart. At Paris you will be out of your time, and must set up for yourself. It is then that I shall be very solicitous to know how you carry on your business. While Mr. Hart was your partner, the care was his share, and the profit yours. But at Paris, if you will have the latter, you must take the former along with it. It will be quite a new world to you, very different from the little world that you have hitherto seen, and you will have much more to do in it. You must keep your little accounts constantly every morning, if you would not have them run into confusion, and swell into a bulk that would frighten you from ever looking into them at all. You must allow some time for learning what you do not know, and some time for keeping what you do know, and you must leave a great deal of time for your pleasures, which, I repeat it again, are now become the most necessary part of your education. It is by conversations, dinners, suppers, entertainments, etc., in the best companies, that you must be formed for the world. Les manières, les agréments, les grâces, cannot be learned by theory. They are only to be got by use among those who have them, and they are now the main object of your life, as they are the necessary steps to your fortune. A man of the best parts, and the greatest learning, if he does not know the world by his own experience and observation, will be very absurd, and consequently very unwelcome in company. He may say very good things, but they will probably be so ill-timed, misplaced, or improperly addressed, that he had much better hold his tongue. Full of his own matter, and uninformed of, or inattentive to, the particular circumstances and situations of the company, he vents it indiscriminately. He puts some people out of countenance, he shocks others, and frightens all, who dread what may come out next. The most general rule that I can give you for the world, and which your experience will convince you of the truth of, is, never to give the tone to the company, but to take it from them, and to labor more to put them in conceit with themselves, than to make them admire you, those whom you can make like themselves better will, I promise you, like you very well. A system-monger, who, without knowing anything of the world, by experience, has formed a system of it in his dusty cell, lays it down, for example, that, from the general nature of mankind, flattery is pleasing. He will therefore flatter. But how? Why, indiscriminately. And instead of repairing and heightening the piece judiciously, with soft colors and a delicate pencil, with a coarse brush and a great deal of whitewash, he daubs and besmears the piece he means to adorn. His flattery offends even his patron, and is almost too gross for his mistress. A man of the world knows the force of flattery as well as he does, but then he knows how, when, and where to give it. 
He proportions his dose to the constitution of the patient. He flatters by application, by inference, by comparison, by hint, and seldom directly. In the course of the world there is the same difference in everything between system and practice. I long to have you at Paris, which is to be your great school. You will be then in a manner within reach of me. Tell me, are you perfectly recovered, or do you still find any remaining complaint upon your lungs? Your diet should be cooling, and at the same time nourishing. Milks of all kinds are proper for you, wines of all kinds bad. A great deal of gentle and no violent exercise is good for you. Adieu. Gratia fama e valetudo, concedent abunde. End of section 87. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.